Hey friends, this is Rick Renner. I'm so glad you've let me come right into your space this week. You and I have had such a marvelous time as we've been studying how to partner with Jesus and work with God. That's what I've been doing my whole life. And when you partner with Jesus and work with God, it opens the door for blessings and supernatural activity to flow back into your life. That's why the subtitle says, How to Work with Jesus to Get Results in Your Life. And today is the last day that we're offering this series on the program. And please, make sure you get the study guide. I really worked on this study guide. It is loaded with all the points and the principles and the Greek words. Everything in the series is in the study guide because I want you to be able to read it while you see it or while you hear it and really, really get this teaching down deep inside you about partnering with Jesus and working with God. And again, today is the last day that we're offering it on the program this week. And we're also today for the very last time this week offering my books, Sparkling Gems from the Greek, number one. You say, well, that is huge. Well, I know it looks quite daunting. Believe me, I know it because I wrote it. But you don't have to read the whole thing at once. It is a daily devotional. You can just walk through it every day, read one little part and another little part. And in this book, we discuss the Word of God, the New Testament, and we mine sparkling gems from the Greek New Testament. It will revolutionize your life. And if you already have volume one, then you can order volume two. It really doesn't matter which one you start with because both of them are daily devotionals. But I guarantee you, as you go through these daily devotionals with Brother Rick, the Holy Spirit will open your eyes and you'll begin to understand things about the New Testament like you never understood before. And... I want to thank you for being a partner. You know, when you're a partner with a ministry like ours, you're partnering with Jesus and working with God because our job is to fulfill the Great Commission. Jesus said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. That's what we're doing. We're taking the teaching of the Bible to all nations, trusted teaching that people are crying out for. And when you help that teaching go to others, you're partnering with Jesus and working with God. And if you're already a partner, I want to say thank you. And you can expect the goodness of God to flow back into your life as a result. And if you're not a partner yet, please pray about becoming a partner with our ministry. And the moment you become a partner, we're going to send you two books as our way of saying welcome to our partner family. And oh, how we love our partners. We're going to send you my book called Life in the Combat Zone, which is dedicated to our partners. And Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness, because we always want our partners to be able to read these two particular books. But if you need prayer, would you please reach out to us? We're waiting for the phone to ring right now. And when you call us or when you send us an email, the moment we hear from you, we're going to release our faith for God to do something tremendous in your life, and He will. But if we know how to pray, we'll do a better job of praying for you. I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. 
hey, reach for your Bible, and I want you to open your Bible to John chapter 19. But I want to begin with our anchor verse, which is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, where the Apostle Paul plainly says, you and I can be co-workers together with God, and that's the name of this series, Partnering with Jesus and Working with God. But what does Paul mean in 2 Corinthians 6, 1, when he says we're co-workers together with God. Well, the word co in Greek is the word soon. It's a preposition which describes what you do in conjunction with another person. It's not what you do by yourself or what they do by themselves for you, but this word soon connects you to somebody else. It's what you're doing in partnership with someone else. The second part of the word is the Greek word ergon, which is the Greek word for a task, an assignment, or for work. But when you compound the two words together, as Paul does, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, it forms the word sunergas, translated co-workers, which pictures you and God working together. It's not you independently working for God or God independently working on behalf of you, but it's you and God jointly working together on a single assignment or a single task, you and God workers together. We are workers together with God. That is what the Bible says. We can partner with Jesus and we can work with God. But before we go to John chapter 19, I want to give you another verse. In Matthew 6, verse 21, Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That is such a powerful verse because Jesus says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And in fact, when Jesus says where, the Greek word means exactly there in the very place where your treasure is. And the word treasure refers to treasure. It refers to money, to riches or investments, cash, where your cash is, where your investments are, where your resources are, there will your heart be also. And the word there, the Greek word, ek means exactly there, which means Jesus teaches where you put your money reveals where your heart is. Your heart follows your money. And if you want to know where a person's heart is, just follow their money because money tells the whole story. People put their money where their heart is. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. And today we're going to see the example of two men who really had their heart in Jesus, so they put their finances in Jesus. And we're going to begin in John chapter 19. But remember, we saw on Monday's program, the Magi partnered with Jesus and worked with God. We saw on Tuesday about a little boy, a little lad, probably five or six years old, who brought his five barley crackers and two minnows to Jesus. He partnered with Jesus and worked with God. Then we saw that Peter allowed Jesus to use his boat. He partnered with Jesus and worked with God. Then yesterday, we saw all those women in Luke chapter 8 who ministered to Jesus out of their resources, out of their substance, and they had a front row to see all those miracles, and today they are in heaven being accredited for all those miracles and deliverances and salvations because they partnered with Jesus and worked with God. And today we're going to see the next example. So let's go there. John chapter 19, verses 38 to 40, and the Bible says, And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate 
that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus, and there came also who? Nicodemus. So now we have two disciples in these verses, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Nicodemus, which at first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. That is amazing. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. But let's begin with Joseph of Arimathea and see what we can find out about him. And when you go to Mark chapter 15, verses 42 to 43, the Bible tells us about this Joseph of Arimathea. And listen to what it says. And now when the evening was come, because it was the preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, he was from a little town called Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God came, and went in boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. This describes him as being an honorable counselor. The word honorable means he had a good standing in society. He was a prominent, influential, wealthy individual. And the Bible also says he was a counselor, a very specific Greek word which was used to describe a member of the Sanhedrin in Rome. It was the same word to describe senators who were members of the Senate. This is a very important word. So we know the position that he had in the land of Israel was one of great honor and great esteem. But the verse also says he waited for the kingdom of God. That word waited means to wait with full expectation and no hesitancy to take and to receive. It does not refer to a hang around, do nothing, let's see what happens. But rather it is the picture of a person on the edge of his chair. His expectation is engaged. He's really waiting for the arrival of the kingdom of God. And that explains why. This Joseph of Arimathea was so attracted to the ministry of Jesus. Because of his longing for the kingdom of God, he ventured out beyond his closed circle of religious friends to see this Jesus of Nazareth. And my friends, I want to tell you that spiritual hunger, please write this down if you're taking notes, spiritual hunger is always a prerequisite to receiving the kingdom of God. And Joseph of Arimathea had that spiritual hunger. His willingness to think outside the circle of how others in his group thought placed him near Jesus because he was looking for and wanting to experience the kingdom of God. But he went to Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. And when the Bible says he craved, it is the Greek word haiteo, which means to be adamant in requesting and demanding something. Well, this normally is not the way that one would have spoken to Pilate, but because of who he was, because of his good standing, because he was influential, because he was prestigious and powerful and wealthy, he knew he could pull some strings. And he went to Pilate and demanded the body of Jesus, insisting that the body of Jesus be released to him. Well, the Roman custom was to leave the body hanging on the cross until it rotted or until the vultures had picked away at it. Afterwards, the Romans took the body off the cross. They cast the corpse into the wilderness where it was eaten by wild, savage dogs. But Jews 
held the human body in great esteem because it is made in the image of God. And even when people were executed by Jews, the Jews who executed them dealt with their corpse very respectfully because they understood the human body was made in the image of God. So it wasn't permitted for a Jew's body to remain on the cross, to be picked away by vultures or to be eaten by dogs. So he went in and craved the body of Jesus. He insistently demanded the body of Jesus. And in Mark chapter 15, 44 and 45, the Bible says, and Pilate marveled, he marveled, if that he were already dead. And calling unto him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been any while dead. Well, of course, a centurion would know a dead person because they were professionals at killing people. So he said to the centurion, is it true that he's really dead? And the centurion said, yes, it's true. And the Bible says, when Pilate knew it of the centurion, he gave or he released the body to Joseph of Arimathea. And next enters into the picture another man by the name of Nicodemus. Let's look at it. The first time we read about Nicodemus is in John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, a very famous conversation that took place between Jesus and this Nicodemus. Listen to what the Bible says. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, that's very important, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles except God be with him. But I want you to notice that he was a ruler of the Jews. The word ruler in Greek is the word archon. It means a chief, a ruler, even a prince. It denotes the rulers of local synagogues, members of the Sanhedrins, who were the highest authorities in the land. And due to his high-ranking position, just like Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus was prominent. He was influential. He was powerful. He was wealthy. Wow. And he wanted to avoid visiting Jesus by day, so he came to Jesus at night. And it was during this time that he called Jesus rabbi. I told you that's important. And the reason it's so important is because the word rabbi by itself means great one. It is a recognition that Jesus had great power, great scriptural authority. It was a title of respect only used in reference to great teachers of the law. The Pharisees loved to be called rabbi. But for Nicodemus to call Jesus rabbi was remarkable because for any Jewish leader to use this title meant that they viewed the person being called a rabbi to be a theologian or to be a scholar or to be an authority of the word of God. And it's clear that he had been to some of Jesus' meetings and had heard Jesus teach or he would have never called him rabbi. He was so impressed with the way that Jesus systematically taught the Word of God that he recognized, hey, this is no low-level teacher from Galilee. This indeed is a rabbi. That is amazing. But in John 2, verse 23, the Bible says, Now when he, Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw his miracles, which he did. And it's very likely that Nicodemus had been there 
He had attended Jesus' meetings. He had seen the miracles. And that's why he said to Jesus, no man can do the miracles you do except God be with him. And Nicodemus became a secret follower of Jesus. That is amazing. He had come close enough to the meetings to personally view the miracles. And that's why he deemed Jesus worthy of the title rabbi. But in that first conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, Jesus famously told him in John 3, verse 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that conversation has been quoted millions of times over 2,000 years of church history. But let's go back to John chapter 19, verse 39, to see what happened next after the crucifixion. It says, and there came also Nicodemus. So Joseph of Arimathea was there ready to bury the body of Jesus. But then there came also Nicodemus, this secret follower who first came to Jesus in John chapter 3, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture. Now look at this. And brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Now, this is an example of something that people read over and they don't understand the gravity of it. First of all, the Bible says it was myrrh. The word myrrh describes an expensive yellowish-brown sweet-smelling gum resin that was extracted from a tree that had a very bitter taste. It was chiefly used as a chemical for embalming the dead and it was very, very, very expensive. But he also brought aloes. The word aloes describes a sweet-smelling fragrance derived from juices pressed from leaves of a tree found in the Middle East, and it was used to ceremonially cleanse, to purify, and to counteract the terrible smell of a corpse as it decomposed. And it likewise was extremely expensive and extremely rare. But the Bible in this verse says Nicodemus brought a mixture of them about a hundred pounds worth. Now that is amazing because normally when a Jew was buried, they would use between one and two pounds. One and two pounds. Nicodemus brought a hundred pounds of these substances. That was not a requirement. All that was really needed was one to two pounds, but he brought a hundred pounds because he loved Jesus. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 21, where your treasure is, there will your heart be. His heart was in Jesus and he brought his treasure. This was the last moment he thought he would have an opportunity to invest in Jesus. So he invested wildly at this last moment that he thought he would never see Jesus again. This was an offering of love that was simply out of sight and only a rich man could have given a gift like this. But he really thought it was the last time that he would ever be able to partner with Jesus. Then in John chapter 19, verse 40, it says, Then took they the body of Jesus. Oh, it's so beautiful. They wound it in linen cloths with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bear. Even the word linen cloths is very important because this particular word in Greek describes a cloth made out of very fine, extremely expensive materials that were fabricated primarily in Egypt. They could have used a less expensive material, but this was Jesus 
They were doing everything they could for Jesus. They thought this was their last moment to partner with Jesus. And finally, they carefully laid him in this linen sheet. Then they mixed and mingled all the spices between the folds of the material, and they buried Jesus. My friends, this is the story of two men who deeply, deeply loved Jesus, and they didn't just say it with their words. They demonstrated it with their finances and their resources. As far as they understood at that time, this was their last opportunity to show Jesus how much they loved him, and they were going to take full advantage of the opportunity. But let's go back to Matthew 6, verse 21, this remarkable verse where Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And these two men used their treasure to demonstrate their heart was in Jesus. He was their highest priority, so they invested their assets to show their love for him as they prepared him for burial. They literally sowed their money into the ground when they bathed him in 100 pounds of those exotic, very expensive substances. That is amazing. And according to the words of Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, it demonstrated that their heart was in Jesus. And my friends, you have to understand, if you never give anything to the Lord, Mm, it demonstrates your heart may not be where it needs to be. But if you give of your resources, if you give of your finances for the kingdom of God, for the advancement of the gospel, it reveals that that's where your heart is. That may seem very simplistic, but it's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 20. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And the great beings for there, exactly there where your money, your assets, your resources, your cash is, your treasure, there is your heart. There, the Greek word ek means exactly there. So when God looks at me and God looks at you, he knows where our heart is because he looks at what we do with our money. Our money tells the truth about who we are and what we love. But when we give of our finances, like Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, it gives us an opportunity to put our heart into the kingdom of God and the advancement of the gospel message to the ends of the earth. And my friends, when you partner with Jesus and work with God, it brings dramatic results. These men had a front row seat to the resurrection. It is amazing. In fact, Jesus was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. The resurrection took place in his tomb. You see, when you partner with Jesus... And when you work with God, it puts you in a position to experience God's supernatural power. I'll be back in just a moment, and I want to pray for you. How can you partner with Jesus and work with God to help advance the gospel and get supernatural results in your life? Is there a practical way you can really partner with Jesus and work with God? In this five-part series, Partnering with Jesus and Working with God, Rick Renner opens the scriptures to show us practical ways and biblical examples of how to partner with Jesus and work with God to advance the gospel and see supernatural results in your life. All it takes is a right decision to open the door for the supernatural. In this series, Rick covers biblical examples of a decision to partner with Jesus from the very beginning, a decision by a small boy to partner with Jesus, 
a decision to partner with Jesus that brought dramatic results, a decision by women to partner with Jesus' ministry, a decision to partner with Jesus to the end. This powerful series is available in digital or physical formats starting at just $10. In addition to this teaching series, you can also get the book Sparkling Gems from the Greek Volumes 1 and 2. In these books, Rick unlocks the brilliant treasures within God's Word and shows you how to live an intimate, uncompromising life with God in an easy-to-read devotional format. Each volume of Sparkling Gems explores more than 1,000 in-depth Greek word studies. Order Sparkling Gems 1 for just $40 and Sparkling Gems 2 for only $45. Don't miss this special offer of the series Partnering with Jesus and Working with God and the book Sparkling Gems 1 and 2. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Hey friends and partners, this is Rick Renner. You can probably see my breath because it's minus nine here right now, but I'm standing in the new building for our Moscow TV studio. And I wanna say thank you to you for all of your sacrificial giving, for being a part of our giving team. Phase one enabled us to construct this building and it is completely paid for. The building itself, the windows, the doors, all the way to the roof, even the heating system. And in phase one, we were enabled to purchase our building in Tulsa and now we have secured it. But now in phase two, we need to finish the interior of this building. We can't move into it the way that it is today. But my friends, in a very short time, we're going to have cameras working in this building and from this location, we're going to be sending teaching that people can trust to the ends of the planet. And the focus of phase two is finishing this facility. And as I told you before, it's not about buildings. It's about having a building so that we can create programming that will change people's lives. And I'm asking you to please pray about being a part of the giving team to finish phase two, which is completing the interior of this building. And I promise you, we will be so careful with every penny and every dollar you give. We understand the value of money. And we're going to pray for God to magnificently and massively multiply your giving back to you again. Thank you so much. Please become a part of our giving team to finish phase two as we complete the interior of the Moscow TV studio. We have had quite a week studying about how to partner with Jesus and work with God. And today we saw the examples of Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus who invested their treasure in the ministry and the life of Jesus to the very end of Jesus' life and ministry. And it resulted in resurrection. That's what happens when you partner with Jesus and work with God. But my friend, I want you to order the whole series called Partnering with Jesus and Working with God. The subtitle says, How to Work with Jesus to Get Results in Your Life. This is a fabulous series, and today is the last day that we're offering it this week. So please go online or give us a call to order yours now, and remember that it comes with a study guide. And today is the last day this week that we're offering my daily devotionals called Sparkling Gems from the Greek, Volume 1, and Sparkling Gems from the Greek, Volume 2, and in both of these There are 1,000 Greek word studies. That means 2,000 if you put the two of them together. 
but you just read one at a time, volume one or volume two, and you just read a little every day because it's a daily devotional. But you will walk through the New Testament with Brother Rick and together we'll dive into the Bible to extract sparkling gems that will transform your life. Amen. Hey, please let us know how to pray for you. Give us a call or send us your email and we will release our faith for God to move mightily in your life the moment we begin to pray for you. But Father, we thank you so much for the privilege that we can be co-workers with you. Oh, what a privilege, Lord, that we can work together with you on tasks and assignments. And because we're willing to cooperate, you open the floodgates to pour blessings back into our lives. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Amen. Hey, remember, Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there really is power.